Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. All right. <clears throat> so, um, if you don't mind, open your Bible to Romans chapter 5. Uh, it's going to take me just a second to get there, but that's where we're going to land. I want to talk about sin. And that's a tough challenge, y'all. Talk about 45 minutes or so to talk about sin. Um, there's a lot of scriptures and a lot of stuff. I was praying into this and, and thinking like, gosh, I could go a number of different directions. There's a number of different ways that we could look at this. And so I, I just feel like, you know, the Holy Spirit kind of whittled some things down. And, and so I want to approach this and just trust God to see where we go. So what does the Bible say about sin? Because whatever the Bible says about sin, that's what we need to say about it. We don't need to say what we feel about sin. We don't need to say what we think about sin. We need to say what the Word of God says about it. So whatever the Word of God says about it, that's what we need to say about it, even if it makes us uncomfortable. So uh, the first scripture I want you to see is John one twenty nine. I have it there on your notes. And this is John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, who's the one that was the, the, the forerunner for Jesus. And y'all know this verse. Hopefully you know this verse. It says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So underline that phrase, sin of the world. Because this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so God so loved the world that he sent his only son, who is also a lamb, who is also a lion, who is also a king, who is also a priest, who is also the beginning and also the end, has sent him to the world that he loved to take away the sin of the world to take it away and so when John saw Jesus coming John I believe already knew Jesus and it's a whole other lesson to talk about discipleship in that day and what all that looked like but I believe John already knew Jesus I believe John was actually Jesus's rabbi at that time but there's debate about that. So it's not like John just happened to see him and didn't know who he was in the natural. I think he saw him, and, and this is an important part, because sometimes we get familiar with certain people that we know and we see all the time, and we get so comfortable and familiar with them that we kind of block the ability of God and blind the ability of God for God to show us who they are in the Spirit. Because sometimes God will bring people into your life and he'll give you a glimpse of what they're supposed to be, not where they are. And so the behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world was this prophetic revelation that John is now seeing about Jesus who's called the Christ. And I think one of the things that we just need to take away from this, just that one scripture right there is you might be at work, you might be at Walmart, you might be somewhere and God might highlight somebody to you and not that you stop and say, behold, you know, something like that. But for you in your family, in, in, in everyone in your life, for you to have an awareness, because sometimes we know too much about people. And, and, and God will begin to show us uh, uh, 
a King David, but who's a shepherd boy. And we won't recognize them because all we see is a shepherd boy. And instead of seeing what God's going to do through this life, instead of seeing a Paul, all we see is a Saul. And so, I don't know, I just feel like there's something to that for us to get a hold of. And that's why in talking about sin, actually, if you live a lifestyle of sin, it's not that God's mad at you. It's not that God hates you. Sin is not the thing that you do that makes God angry with you. That's not, that's not how this operates. But what sin does is sin blinds you, sin numbs you, sin, sin um, seduces you, sin numbs or, or uh, confuses and distorts your ability to walk. Like if, if, if your spiritual giftedness is like a sharp sword or a sharp axe, sin will dull your blade. Sin will cloud your sight. So you won't be able to see and recognize the things you're supposed to see and recognize. You'll actually recognize. It's kind of like, you know, the old uh, analogy of having, uh, if I'm wearing these glasses and there's a black spot on these glasses or these glasses are kind of foggy, whatever, and I had this mark on the glasses and I'm looking, I'm like, Jeff, you got this mark on your head. And so do you. And so, you, you know, And so we can think we're accurate and right, but sin can distort our ability to see things the way they really are, to hear things the way they really are. And see, we're responsible for what we say, we're responsible for what we do, but we're responsible for what we hear. And sin can damage all of that. So I wasn't even planning on going in any of that. I thought thought I'd be down halfway through the page by now. But there's somebody, something about this that you need to know. What does the Bible say about sin? Very clearly, if you're living a lifestyle of sin, it will distort your ability to be able to, in the moment, behold the Lamb of God. And why was that important in that time? Because the other people who were there, some of these other disciples that some say were disciples of John the Baptist, when they heard John in John's influence, say this about Jesus, they stopped following John and started following Jesus. You have that kind of influence in people's life. Some people go to this church because you invited them. You have that kind of influence. And sin distorts that influence. That make sense? So um, look in Romans uh, chapter 5. Hopefully this, this chapter is not... from. Um, not new to you, but I'm just going to read for a minute. I'm going to read a lot. Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 12, because the sin of the world, well, how did sin get in the world? So let's look at, if, it's, if he's come to take away the sin of the world, then let's look at, at how sin got into the world. So Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Uh, Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world. So how did sin enter the world? Through one man. One man can do a lot of stuff. Through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. So how did death get into the world? Through sin. How does sin get into the world? Through man. And thus spread to all men. So notice the ratio. One to all. One to all. Sin came to one. Death came to one, therefore sin came to all. 
and death came to all through the first Adam. Okay? And because all have sinned, verse 13, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed where there is no law. So, so sin was in the world, but there's, there's no, there's no, since there's no law that's stated like a speed limit sign, since there's no law stated against it, speeding is unhealthy on that particular road. So the, the, the government puts a, a sign there stating the obvious. Um, and, and so that's kind of like what the, the law is not imputed against somebody until, or the, the sin is not imputed against somebody until the law is put there. Okay, I just want, I, this is going to take too long. I just need to read through this. Verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned. Look at that, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. So right, if you can write, if you have a Bible you can write into, who is a type of him who is to come, write second Adam. Because the Bible says there's a second Adam and also a last Adam, and that's the same person. The second Adam is the last Adam. He's the second Adam because heaven is sending a second man, a second Adam, to redo what the first Adam failed to do. And if he's the last Adam, because heaven is not sending anymore. Okay? Uh, verse 15. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more by the grace of God that the gift of grace of the one man, and, and hopefully in your Bible that's a capital M, of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came uh, from the offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. So there's only two places. You're either condemned or you're justified. You're either condemned in the first Adam, sin came into the world, death came into sin, therefore we are all condemned. And that's why it says in John chapter 3 that if you, whoever believes, Jesus talking about being born again, whoever believes in me, you know, he goes on in different places saying that not only will you have eternal life, but you will live forever, you will never die. But he who does not believe in me, he says, is condemned already because you're born condemned. You're born condemned, which we'll get into in a second. Verse 17, for if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace, of the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, circle that whole phrase, gift of righteousness, will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So either sin's going to reign in you or righteousness is going to reign in you. Verse 18, therefore, as through the one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification for life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. That's a neat phrase, made 
sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. You're either made a sinner. You are made a sinner and then you have the opportunity to be made righteous. And a sinner is un, is an unrighteous person. Sin is unrighteousness. Matter of fact, anywhere on this page, you could write the word sin is evil. Sin is evil. It's the opposite of God. God is good. Sin is evil. And I like, I like if, and I think I'm spelling this right. If you take the word evil and flip it around, it's the word live, right? So you get to live or walk in evil. And, and so it's, it's through this one man's, you know, many were made sinners and the many will be made righteous. Verse 20, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign uh, through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I know that's a lot, but I wanted you to see it in your Bible. We're going to come back in a few minutes to Romans chapter 6 and continue on with this thing because Romans chapter, really the whole book of Romans, is incredible for you to read. If you're new to seeking out the Lord, you're new in the Bible, read the book of Romans. It is incredible to read through the book of Romans. Uh, and this is one of the greatest chapters uh, that talks about how sin came into the world. So Jesus, the Lamb of God, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, now we know how sin got in the world. And, and we're going to look at how sin works in the world. And how if Jesus came to take away the sin of the world, and then we, and he, we come into relationship with him, then, then, and his mission was to destroy the works of, of the devil, to, to take away the sin of the world, and, and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to, to do all the things that he was anointed to do, then guys, that's our job too. So our, the reason why, why we can't, the reason why sin, it's, 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 it's hear it like this. I want you to hear it like this. The reason why we cannot um, crave and lust after a lifestyle of sin and why it's okay for sin to be in the church. You say, well, we're forgiven, aren't we? Well, yeah, we're forgiven. But that's like saying, well, I'm married, aren't I? So why can't I have an affair? I'm married, so, so, so why can't I? It's like, you know, it's, it's, that's not how it's supposed to work. And, and so, because if we, if we are actually here, if Jesus was the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world, and then we're the church of the Lamb of God who comes to sin just like the world, one of these two things is not like the other. Now, he didn't come to take away the sin of the world as a lion. He came to take away the sin of the world as a lamb. There is a day he's going to judge the earth in righteousness and judge every human being according to righteousness and he will judge as a lion. But right now, we're in the, we're in the season of the lamb. He didn't come to judge the world. And so we need to understand this and part of what confuses the world is, is church people just know how to hide their sin better than unchurch un people. And so this is the thing that we really need to deal with if we want to be in alignment with what God has for our life. None of us are perfect. Everyone in here struggles. But it's not about perfection. It is about direction. 
and having a heartbeat for this. So a couple things I want you to see is, number one, the definition of sin it means, means this. You look it up in the Strong's, it means failure, loss, having no part of, meaning having no part of, missing the mark. Many of y'all have heard that before, missing the mark. It means to be self-empowered, like a self-empowered nature, not of faith and not of God. And I like what Romans 14, I think it's 23 says, Sarah was talking, we were talking about this earlier, about how whatever is not of faith is sin. It's missing the mark. It's not having part of. It's you're starting from losing. You're separated from. And there's a lot of scriptures I could turn to, a lot of scriptures about sin I could turn to. What I want you to understand is what does sin do? It doesn't make God hate me. It doesn't doesn't make God want to attack me and be angry with me. What does sin do? It, It keeps me from being a part of what God is doing. I lose out on what God is doing because I'm choosing a lesser thing Instead of choosing to live, I'm choosing evil because I have spiritual dyslexia and to me, evil is the way to live. And living for Christ seems evil. And what happens is it's missing the mark. Now, if this was basketball and we had a basketball goal right up here and stuff and somebody gave me a ball, I would would be hitting the mark every time. Hitting the mark every time. Cameron would get up and try to block my shot, and I would hit the mark every time. Okay? But then Cameron would get up to shoot, and he would do what we call sin. He would miss the mark. (laughs) Pastor kids don't sin. Yeah. And so, (laughs) that's that's good. See, there's there's hope there. There's potential there. (laughs) If it's not spiritual, at least it needs to be sarcastic. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And so, that's all sin is. Sin is missing the mark. Sin is a soccer player. You've seen those videos where somebody kicks this awesome thing, and it curves around, and it goes in, and it's this awesome goal. It's goal! Everybody goes crazy. That's not sin. That's righteousness. But when they come up and there's nobody there and they hit it way over the goalie and goes up over the goal, you know, and they totally miss the shot and everyone's like, are you kidding me? That's, that's sin. It's missing the mark. It's falling short of. It's not participating with God. And, and if you don't get anything else out of tonight, when, when you or I choose to have a mindset and a lifestyle that is okay with sin, I'm not talking about judging people in a sense of eternal judgment. I'm talking about judging in a sense of discernment in a sense of of what is holy and unholy, what is righteous and unrighteous. There is that kind of judgment that we need to walk in with one another. Just like a judgment like airball, you should judge that. You're not judging the eternal value of that player, but you're judging that shot. So we all should walk in that kind of thing, you know, to, to, to deal with that and to understand that kind of stuff. So... You know, in all of our life, because if we don't, we will numb ourselves down, dumb ourselves down to be just like the world, but claiming Christ. And when we claim Christ, what we're claiming is, behold, I serve the lamb who took away the sin of the world. So the confusion is, why is it still eating up my life? That's the confusion. So how we sometimes counteract that is we get legalistic. 
and start going to judge people instead of examining our own way, looking at our own life. And saying, coming to the point of saying, I can't, I can't hit the mark. I can't hit the mark without God. I can't, I can't even get the ball to the hoop without Christ. It's not like, okay, I get it, Pastor John. I'm just going to stop sinning. You can't stop sinning. Because the law talks about if you broke one point of the law, you broke all of it. All of it. You're guilty of all. And think about it this way. Think about it this way with the commandments of God. God, I love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love my neighbor as myself. And the way Jesus spoke to that was a new commandment I give you is not only love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but now love one another as I have loved you. So he's not even, he's adding to it. He's saying it's a new commandment, meaning not just love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself, but love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and now love other people the way I have loved you. So it's a love God and, and love people. And a lot of people twist that to say, we just need to love people. And then we redefine love or what we think better fits people. And we don't, when we miss the love of God part. And we think we just need to love people. And then we redefine love. And love is we need to, we need to, you know, people are sinning and people are living in sin. It's okay. We don't need to be so judgy. We don't need to be, we don't need to call truth out. We don't need to, I mean, we don't need to speak truth and call out the lie. We just need to like love people. It's, it's, it's loving to not speak the truth. If you love somebody, but, but that's not what Jesus did when he's a lamb of God to come to take away the sin of the world. That's not what he did. So how do we know, how do we know what sin really is? How do we know the real effect of sin? Well, what did it take to remove it? It took Jesus coming to give his very own life. If sin was small and if sin was minimal and if sin was not that big a deal, God could have sent an angel to come fix it. God could have sent somebody else to come do it. See, we minimize sin because we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to look at it. We don't want to deal with it. Because we don't have a revelation that Jesus has already taken away the sin of the world. We, we live, sometimes I live, I don't know if y'all are all righteous, but sometimes I live with a, a lie and a mentality and emotion and a thought that st sin still reigns or death still reigns. But death does not reign and sin does not reign for those who belong to Christ. Sin and death are a reality that, are, that exist in this body and in this world, but they do not reign. So if they reign in you, it's because His righteousness, because you're not allowing His righteousness to reign in you. So what happens is His righteousness becomes a reality in you, but the reality of sin becomes your reigning, reigns in you. And what needs to flip is, no, 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 Christ and his righteousness will reign in me and sin will be a reality that Christ reigns over in my life. So I'm not one who's perfect and I have no right to judge in the sense of eternal judgment. 
There is a judge who's going to do that. Jesus didn't do that kind of thing on the earth. He spoke the truth to people, told the woman at the well, uh, uh, not the woman at the well, told the woman who was caught in the act of adultery in John chapter 8. The only one who had a right to throw a stone to judge her didn't have one in his hand. And what he said was, I do not condemn you. But then he said, go and sin no more. You think, you know, nowadays it'd be like, go and sin a little bit less. <laughs> he said, go and sin no more. And what does that tell us? That those who believe in him have the capacity. This is where some people get an argument. Have the capacity to not sin anymore. Well, is that going to be our reality? <laughs> well, probably not. Okay, but let's not build some big war to, to try to say we're going to keep sinning. <laughs> Why don't we just say what Jesus said? Hey, go and sin no more. He told a woman, he told a man in the pool of Bethesda who, who was healed. He, he told him, he found him later on, and this is what he said. He said, stop sinning lest something worse happen to you. And a lot of Bible people, people who don't understand the love of God and the nature of God and the identity of God make it sound like this. Make it sound like Jesus said, man, boy, I told you, you better stop sinning lest I, lest I bring something worse upon you. That's not what he was saying at all. He was saying, stop sinning because if you keep sinning, through your sin, you're going to open the door for something worse to come upon you. Because consequences are not condemning. Consequences is not condemnation. Galatians chapter 6, you reap what you sow. God, why are you doing this in my life? And I think God's probably like, why are you doing this in your life? You know? And, and so, whew, I told you the subject's huge. So if we want to walk and not miss the mark, then the heartbeat is, God, I want to love you. With, I want to, first, I love you. It's not first go love my neighbor. It's not first go love the world. It's God, I first love you. Because the second thing is, is predicated or is, did I, what is, I don't even know what that means. Is that right? God's at work, boy. Mm. Is predicated. On, on the first. The second, you know, is dependent upon the first. <laughs> I can't even think of the word. <laughs> so, so it's loving God, loving God, receiving and walking in this given and take, this given flow relationship of the love of God. And then the overflow of that is loving others the same way he loved me. Well, how did he love me? He spoke the truth in love. He took away the sin of the world. How did he do that? By first telling the world you're in sin. How do, you, how do you go to somebody, how do you go to somebody and say, hey, listen, Jeff, you know, here's this, here's this antidote I have for this, for this crazy, <laughs> for this crazy virus. Okay. And this is going to, this is going to help you. And, and if you don't know that you're sick and you don't know you need it, then what, you're not going to want the antidote. But if you see the x-ray or you see whatever, and, and all of a sudden you see, oh my gosh. Here's, here's what I have, and here's the, here's the sentence I have. This is what I've got. This is my condition. This is what I have. And then you see the remedy and the antidote. You're going to go after it with all your heart. And we have a world that doesn't know they're in sin. 
And we have a church that doesn't care they're in sin. I'm not talking about legalism and starting to eternally judge people and start. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just having something in your heart that says, God, I want to love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. And when I sin, I'm loving me. I'm not loving you. That's the heartbeat. And so, so because of sin, we were all born sinners or made sinners is a phrase that it used in that scripture. Because of sin, we're sinners. So the reason why we take the action, the reason why we sin is because we were made sinners. We did not become labeled sinners because we sinned. We were made sinners. And so the reason why we sin is because we were made sinners. It's not the other way around. And so anybody who comes to you and says, hey, in any kind of situation or lifestyle, they say, hey, I was born that way. That's the way I was born. To, to say, to, now, you're not saying, what I'm about to say is not affirming what the reason or the method or the, the mindset of why they say the phrase, I was born that way. But what you can say accurately is, you're right, you were born that way. And so was I. You were born a sinner. You were made a sinner. Now, sin expressed itself in different ways, but what we tend to do under the consciousness of sin is we tend to say, well, my sin's not as bad as your sin. When in reality, to a large degree, there are some little caveats where, where you can have debates about this, but in tonight's discussion, sin is sin. And sin is an air ball. And if you miss it by 10 feet or you miss it by 100 feet, you missed. Okay? So sin is sin. And, and if we, and if God had another remedy, if God was like, sin's not that big a deal. Being a sinner is not that big a deal. I just love everybody. I just love everybody. Everybody come into daddy's house. Just, you know what? Daddy was mean and he locked the door, but I opened the door. Daddy's taking a nap. Everybody come into father's house. Grumpy has gone to sleep. Everybody come in. It's just joy and love and peace and everybody come in because God loves everybody. That's not the love of God. Because what had to happen for Jesus to come take away the sin of the world is he had to experience extreme suffering in this earth to where he was even to the point of, to the point of sorrow, sorrow to the point of death. Biblically speaking, that means he was even at the point of suicide where demonic spirits were probably, that's why, one of the, that's why the devil took him up to the, the pinnacle of the temple and said, throw yourself off of here. Testing the word of God. That's a spirit of suicide saying, if God loves you, when you throw yourself off, he'll catch you. It's testing God. And so thus that spirit is at work. And, and, and so the reality is Jesus, in, to deal with sin, he had to go through extreme suffering, fulfill all these prophecies, and loved you and I enough. He wasn't angry with us. He wasn't mad at us. He was in love with us. And he comes and the Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died. He demonstrated his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. 
So knowing what he had to do in order to redeem the thing he wanted to redeem, which is you and I, which is a twofold process. Number one is to take away the sin of the world. And the second thing is to breathe life into the world that was filled with sin. And some people will say those scriptures that we read in Romans, see, well, Jesus, everybody's saved now because Jesus died on the cross and was, has been resurrected. So everybody's saved. It's only those who are, who are of him. So the reason why everyone is in sin and everyone is a sinner, because we were all born of the first Adam. The reason why Jesus is not a sinner because he was not born of the first Adam. So the salvation and life in Jesus only come to those who are born of the second Adam. It's not just to everybody. It's to those who are born of the second Adam. And so, so I said because of sin, we were all made sinners, and we sin because we were born as slaves of sin. Slaves of sin, meaning you try to free yourself, but you can't. So when you try to free yourself, but you can't, when you keep shooting towards the goal, but you can't hit it, you know what you do? Lower the goal. And you now have a new standard of righteousness. And you judge yourself by a standard that God is not using. So you justify yourself by a standard that God is not using. So 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, you just got, got it right there in your notes. For he made him who knew no sin. And what was his name? Jesus. To be sin. To be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So he made him who knew, he didn't even know sin. And this is one of the most powerful truths. I'm telling you, this is one of the most powerful truths. Jesus didn't do your sin to take your guilt. He took your sin by faith. He didn't smoke what you smoked. He didn't steal what you stole. He didn't lie to who you lied to. He didn't do your sin to take your sin. He took your sin by faith, not by works. And then he gives you his righteousness for you to take by faith, not by works. Does that make sense? So three kinds of righteousness. The first one is unrighteousness, and it speaks to what I have done against God. Unrighteousness, evil, sin. It's all the same thing. What I have done against God. What I have done against God. And God loves you enough that through his Holy Spirit, he will show you in a mirror the reality of what you have done against God. Isaiah, when he saw the presence of the Lord and the glory of the Lord, woe is me. A man of unclean lips dealing in a, in a people of, un, of unclean hearts and unclean lips. Woe is me. When you see how, how awesome he is. So you can be made rebellious through sin. 
You keep sinning long enough, you're going to rebel against God. And you know what that looks like? You keep lowering the goal. You keep lowering the goal, telling everybody you can dunk. <laughs> but you're not playing on standard height. Telling everybody you can dunk. Self-righteousness is what I try to do. Self-righteousness is what I try to do for God. This is you trying to earn it. This is you trying to do it yourself. Self-righteousness. And you can be made religious through, you can write two words there, either self-righteousness or rules. Because self-righteous people make rules. Rules have their place. Principles have their place to protect us and to lead us. But relationship is what should drive us. Relationship with the Lord. The last one is God's righteousness. What God has done. What God has done for me. If you want a revelation of unrighteousness, see what you have done against God. Pray and ask God, Holy Spirit, show me what I've done against you. How have I sinned against you? And in a loving way, he will show you. And if you want to be free from self-righteousness, then you say, Lord, show me all the works that I keep trying to do to prove myself, to perform, and to earn this, and to justify myself to look down upon other people. What rules am I keeping that's actually keeping me from your relationship? <laughs> C's have a hard time with that one. <laughs> mm. You can only be made righteous through faith. Jesus was only made unrighteous through faith. You can, be on, you can only be made righteous through, through faith. Praise the Lord. Okay, good goobly goo. Look at all those scriptures right there. All right, Romans 3, 19. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Romans 3, 19. We can do this. We can do this. A lot of this I'm going to have you probably just read, but I want you to see this. I want you to see this. So look at Romans 3, starting at verse 19, and we'll just do a one-two, skip a few. Okay, when you got it, say got it. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all, somebody say all, the world may become guilty before God. So what's the purpose of the law? It's twofold. One is to show the righteousness of God, how righteous he is, which is true. The law is good. The law is true. But the other is to show how unrighteous we are. And what's the purpose of the law? The same purpose of that x-ray that I was saying for, for somebody that goes to a doctor, the purpose of that x-ray is to show you're sick. You're broken. 
you're guilty. No, I'm not. No, I, I, and, and all this self-justification and self-defense kicks in. And no, I'm just going to do better. I'm better than somebody else. I'm not as sick as somebody else. I'm not, you know, and, and it's, that's like, that's like two cancer patients. One saying, um, I'm, I, my report is I'm not going to die till next week, but your, your report is you're dying today. You both have cancer. So the reality is, is to understand that the purpose of the law, the purpose of the law is to understand we are guilty before God and we need the Lamb of God to take away the sin in my world. And once the Lamb, listen to me, listen to me, once the Lamb takes away the sin of the world, then the Lion of the tribe of Judah can come live righteously inside of you. Look at verse 21. But now the righteousness of God, actually verse 20, sorry, verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. Now, in our sight, we justify the mess out of one another. We find people who love us and who agree with us and who love us by a lie. Tell us what we want to hear instead of what we need to hear. Which, by the way, that's very unloving. That's very unloving to tell somebody, no, you're not on fire. If they're really on fire. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. So, so the righteousness of God, the life of God, the grace of God, the gift of God, the right living of God, apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it goes on to say some really good stuff, but skip over to Romans chapter 10, and let me just show you this. Man, this chapter is bad to the bone right here. Have I told you the book of Romans is good? Brethren, look at verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal, meaning a passion for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being, you ever met somebody who was like that? Ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end, and that word end is telos in Greek, which means the end purpose, the end goal, the end touchdown, not the end of like, like Porky Pig. That, 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 that's all, folks. It's a terrible impersonation of, of him. But it's the end of like the purpose, like the purpose so the, you could say, for Christ is the purpose of the law for righteousness. 
to everyone who believes. So what he's saying is the law is never going to make you righteous. The law is to show you, you you're not righteous. And then once you know that you're not righteous, the law is a witness and a revealer to the righteousness of God that's given to you in the lamb and lion of God in the second Adam. Hopefully that makes sense. And, and it goes on to talk about Moses writes about this righteousness and you can skip down and read through the rest of that on your own. But it talks about how to receive the gift of righteousness. So when you're saved and you call upon the name of the Lord and you're saved, you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God has raised him from the dead. You are saved. And what does saved mean? It talks about receiving the gift of righteousness. You're believing unto righteousness. Being made right with God. And once you're made right with God through faith, once you're made right with God through faith, you can't be made unright. You can live unright, to which you will have to give an account for. It's like once you are made a sinner, you can't make yourself into a saint. There's nothing you can do to make yourself into it. You can do some good things, but it doesn't make you a saint. Once you are made right with God through faith in the blood of Jesus Christ and you are received the gift of righteousness, if you sin, you're not made unrighteous. You have unrighteousness in you that you need to confess, repent of, and deal with because if you don't, you will answer to that before the lion but it doesn't make you unrighteous. And that's good news because you're dealing with the unrighteous actions and attitudes in your life from a righteous identity. I hope that makes sense. And, that, and that's why, like, and then in Romans 6, I ain't got time to read Romans 6, but Romans 6, the whole chapter is good. Read Romans 6 later. Because it's all about shall we continue to sin and live in unrighteousness now that we're under grace and not under the law? Shall we continue to sin? He's like, no, present yourselves as instruments of righteousness. Because you've been made righteous. So any sin that's in your life, you deal with it from the righteousness of Christ that's in you that you received as a gift. You're not someone trying to get righteous. You're dealing with unrighteousness. You're dealing with lingering realities of unrighteousness from the eternal fixed reality of God's righteousness inside of you. So you got to read Romans 6 later. Three dimensions of righteousness. The first one, I'll just tell you what they are. It's spirit, soul, and body. Right down the page. Spirit, soul, and body. The moment you get born again, the spirit means I am made righteous through faith in Christ. Once you are born again in your spirit, you are now righteous. Your Bible says you are one spirit with God. One spirit with Christ. Anyone who's joined to Christ, you're one spirit with him. You may be tore up from the floor up in your soul. And your body may be, may be all whacked out. But in your spirit. See, your body does not tell you who you are. Your soul does not tell you who you are. Your spirit is who you are. 
and in your spirit, you have been made righteous. But what happens is we believe our unrighteous works in our soul, in our thinking, our emotions, and in our body, instead of believing the gospel and what Jesus has done for us. And so we're people who say we've been forgiven, but we're always working for forgiveness. So in my spirit, I, I am, or I, I should have said, I have been made righteous through faith in Christ. The soul is I am being made righteous through repentance. That means changing the way I think, transforming my life by renewing my mind. What is new about me and true about me since the lion came to live inside of me? What's new about me and true about me? I know it still looks like me. I know it still smells like me. I know sometimes it still acts like the old me. But what's new about me and true about me since the lamb took away the sin out of my spirit and the lion came to reside there? Greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world. See, the righteous are bold as a lion, the Bible says. And we need to let the lion tell that, tell that, that sin to get out of here because the lamb has already paid the, the ransom. I hope that means something to y'all. So the body is the last one. I'm being made righteous through obedience. The best thing you can do when you're tempted is to obey God. I don't feel it, Pastor. I feel like doing something crazy. Well, that's, I get it. But what you need to do is let the lion rise up inside of you and shut down that nonsense. And you shut it down by obedience. Obedience is the mic drop. End of conversation. We're not discussing this anymore. I'm going to obey God. I've not done that every time in my life. But every time I haven't, I regret it. I don't think there's a person in here that could say, I've been obedient every single time since I've started walking with Christ. But I bet everyone in here could say, every time I was not, I regretted it. Unrighteousness, sin, was my old nature. And there's scriptures you can look up about that. Righteousness is my new nature. And there's scriptures you can look up about that. So righteousness is my nature. I don't, listen, I don't have two natures inside of me. I'm not half sinner, half saint. I don't have the old man and the new man both living at the same level inside of me. Okay? I have the, the old man, what we call the flesh. He's not my identity. He's a reality in my life. He's a ghost. He's not my nature. He's not my identity. If he was my identity, it would be a 50-50 battle every day. And that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we are a new creation in Christ. It teaches that we, are, we, have, we become partakers of the divine nature of God. That he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. So our identity of righteousness of Christ in me is my nature. It's my identity. It's who I am. What I do is not who I am. And if I get a revelation of who I am, it'll change what I do. But if I keep looking to who I, what I do to try to find out who I am, I'll never change what I do because I'll never find out who I am by what I do. I find out who I am by what he did. 
And when I find out what he did and I put faith in him, then he's the lion that roars through me. And I roar at every temptation. I'm feeling passionate about this. So here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to wait because I don't want to rush through this next part. So I'm going to wait the next time I teach. I'm going to start with a little recap and then going through this because I think we need to hit this a little bit harder. I don't want to rush through it. I could rush through it, but I don't want, I don't want to do that because it, it, you got to get it. So the thing I want you to get for tonight is if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God has taken away the sin of your world. And what we need to do is we have responsibility of our world, like the world. We have responsibility as believers in Christ, ambassadors of Christ. We have responsibility to be disciples of Christ and ambassadors of Christ in this world. But don't try to change the world when you can't change your world. Changing the world on a big scale should be an overflow. And I'm not saying that you're perfect. I'm not saying, because I'm not perfect, guys. There's things I'm growing in and things he's working in me. So I'm not saying you have to be perfect and be at like the super ninja level before you can do anything. But when you begin to grow in God, it starts in you and overflows to other people. I challenge you to go read Romans chapter 6. And next week, um, I won't be teaching next Tuesday night because I'm going to be with the pastors that are coming in. Uh, we're going, um, actually taking the pastors through with Dale Yurton, and then we're going up to see the ark. Um, this whole week is going to be a long week. I'm going to go find a little, I don't know, hay bale somewhere in the ark and take a nap. But, <laughs> but um, so next Tuesday night, Danny kid is going to be sharing about hoopa what's he what's he called that one word hoopa money hoopa money he taught it at the men's thing it was incredible it was incredible and so i told him you know sharpen it and and bring it uh bring it here next tuesday night and then uh uh, lauren taught uh about i'm not i want to say what what it is but uh something that he carries in his life and as soon as when he was teaching, I thought, man, this is so good. And, and, it, and it's funny because both times when Danny was, because Cole, Danny, and Lauren both went with me on the trip to Mexico, which was a God thing. It was a God thing. I'm telling you, it was a God thing. Lauren tried to bring a gun through the, through the gate at the airport. It was a God thing we got through. Uh, and watching the connection and stuff. And so when I heard Danny teaching this thing, immediately in me, it's like, next time we go to Mexico, you got to teach that. So there's already like this Wi-Fi level that's happening of like, what's in you here, Danny, is not even just for Faith Center. It needs to go to somebody else. And Lauren was teaching that. And I'm not like thinking that. I'm not like trying to always think Mexico, Mexico, Mexico. I'm not thinking that. I think here. I think Faith Center. I think this is the home. But when I'm hearing When I heard him teach, I thought, not only does Faith Center need to hear that, but next time we go to Mexico, you got to share that because it's part of his his DNA. 
And, and I love his response. He's like, pastor, you got to help me share it well, <laughs> you know, and everything. Uh, but so the 12th, June 12th, I'll, I'll be at another church teaching. Um, and uh, Lauren's going to teach here on Sunday morning. And, and so I, I want to share that stuff with y'all because I don't want to be the church that, 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 that you always come, you know, to hear me. You need to hear, you, and, and some of you encourage me about that, and I thank you about that, but you need, to, you need to hear what God's doing in other people and stuff. Cole taught uh, at the men's thing the other night, and it wasn't that bad. <laughs> no, he taught. <laughs> he, he knows I'm picking on him. He did a, he did a great job. Just made to, to, to really simple about, you know, coming to, uh, being on, like, like turned on and being in. And it was a really cool thing of what God took from his ordinary everyday life and just now made it to where it was impactful to others. So next Tuesday night, Danny will be teaching. Sunday morning, Lauren, uh, the 12th, Lauren will be teaching. Then I'll come back and we're going to jump back into this, this thing about sin because I feel like we just need to go there. Between now and then, read Romans chapter 6. Praise the Lord. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every person, every family. And, Lord, I just sense that you're at work. I just sense you're leading us, God, not into condemnation and not into, into some kind of unhealthy judgment or a critical, condemning spirit. But I thank you, Lord, that you're, you're releasing life, God, that you're the Lamb of God who takes away the sin in our world, the sin that is stealing, killing, and destroying us, the sin that is seducing us and sabotaging us and lying to us, separating us from you. And that you're releasing that spirit of truth in our lives, God. That as we fully accept the work of the lamb, help us fully accept the work of the lion. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, you help all of us just grow in you and knowing you more and showing you better. That souls will be saved. Lives will be changed. And Father, we pray this week that you will work through the different radio ads that's going to go out and through the different things that you reach out to those who you are drawing in. Father, draw the ones that need to be here that need to see the glory that you have done in Mexico in these lives, that you would do it here. And we thank you for just a divine encounter. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.